1: Hello and welcome to the Autosport Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kalinakis. The opening practice sessions for the 2020 Belgian Grand Prix took place today at Spa, with Mercedes and Valtteri Bottas leading the way in FP1. But it was a different story in FP2, where Red Bull's Max Verstappen and Renault driver Daniel Ricciardo pushed Lewis Hamilton down to third. But the long runs, which were disrupted by a virtual safety car for Ricciardo stopping with a loss of hydraulics and a red flag for a loose advertising board coming adrift just after the first corner, tell a slightly different story again, as it does not look as if Mercedes has lost its edge just yet, even if Red Bull and Racing Point and the rest of the midfield look pretty close at this stage. So as I set about turning those averages into tonight's feature for Autosport.com+, plus, with a lightning storm currently taking place here at Spa in the background, I'm going to hand over to my Autosport colleagues, Jake Boxall-Legg and Luke Smith.
2: Thank you, Alex. Formula 1 returned to the track at Spa on Friday with the opening two practice sessions for the Belgian Grand Prix, which remained dry despite concerns about rain and a brief shower during Formula 3 qualifying. Birthday boy Valtteri Bottas was able to set the pace for Mercedes in the opening practice session, heading up a 1-2 finish ahead of teammate Lewis Hamilton. But it was Max Verstappen who ended the day fastest for Red Bull, setting a best lap of 1 minute 43.744 seconds to take top spot in a tightly contested FP2. Daniel Ricciardo was a surprise interloper for Renault in second place, finishing just half a tenth of a second off his former teammate before a hydraulic issue forced him to pull over and park up towards the end of FP2. Lewis Hamilton ended up third for Mercedes ahead of Alexander Albon and Sergio Perez as just half a second covered the top eight cars through second practice. Joining me this evening to review all of Friday's action and news at Spa is Autosport technical editor, Jake boxall Now, Jake, it was very nice to see Max Verstappen at the top of the timesheets. Um, quite rare to see a Red Bull so far up this season. But just how realistic is it that he can retain that advantage heading into qualifying tomorrow?
3: Obviously, Verstappen's lap in FP2 was very, very good. And he looked very, very strong in FP1 as well. Then you expect Mercedes to just dial it up, just to kick it up another notch in... in when it comes to tomorrow. So Red Bull gonna to have to find something equally as special as well to be able to make that difference. I don't know if they'll be in in the hunt for it. Max Verstappen reckons that Red Bull won't. Lewis Hamilton reckons that perhaps they will. So it depends on who you ask. They're both playing it down. It's like, oh no no, we're not gonna be in contention. It's like, oh no 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 neither are we. So a little bit of gamesmanship going on there. Um we'll have to wait until tomorrow but i think we'd all like mercedes to be challenged a little bit wouldn't we
2: yeah we would and i think it's maybe the nature of modern day f1 that no driver is ever going to go oh yeah we'll definitely be on pole tomorrow or anything like that they're obviously going to sort of talk up their rivals and i guess sort of play this smoke and mirrors a little bit but um i think particularly when it comes to the sort of last last crux of q3 tomorrow and in that final fight for pole position this is going to be the last we probably see of, of the party mode for now, at least like the engine's going to absolute full tilt and, and really maximizing what they can do. So with that in mind as well, and given the power sensitive nature of Spa, do you think Mercedes that is, is that just going to basically end the battle in their favor?
3: You, you'd think so. And especially in sectors one and three, um, they're, they're clearly going to have an edge there. Red Bull looked good in sector two and they looked pretty good in sector three. Um, during the, the process of epi two but it's that sector one that mercedes is going to have in its back pocket of course the car is going to be you know good in sector two but a red bull just seem to have the edge at the moment so it's going to be a sector by se- sector battle and they're going to be fighting it out over over the last sector and to see who who can perform best there money's on mercedes to give that party mode a last hurrah before we hit monza next week and just turn it up and see what happens
2: you mentioned that sort of sector-by-sector sector battle, and I think that Spa, perhaps more than any other circuit, is really where you've got to strike that compromise between do you want to go for all-out straight-line speed so you can be quick in the first and final sectors, or do you want to try and sort of make that time up in, in the twisty bits through uh, through the second sector? Um, Alexander Albon today, he spoke about Red Bull's form. Um, a much better day for Albon, it must be said. Probably one of his best Fridays of the season. He said he felt really comfortable with the Red Bull RB16 car today. But he pointed out just how quick both Renault and Racing Point have been um, Renault as I mentioned earlier in the show uh, being as far up as second place with Daniel Ricardo really really quick but Albon said that he thought they really were focusing on that sort of straight line speed uh, we saw the Renault's actually go quickest of anyone in both the first and third sectors um, during FP2 today so I mean how did the teams strike that balance between the first and third sector and that second sector and was there anything you noted in terms of sort of parts or the setups today that the teams were running that uh, caught your eye at all to deal with that challenge?
3: I think you've got to pick a sector that you're going to go for. So you either decide that you're going to be massively quick in sector one or you decide that you're going to go for sector two and see, suggest where the the gains are in the corners. So you base your setup around that and then you kind of, you can dial it back, you can can bring it back a bit and say, okay, we're losing quite a lot in sector one so we're going to take some of this downforce off. We'll still have the performance in sector two but we want a little bit more straight line speed or vice versa. Um, You might be, massively quick in sector one and think we we need a little bit more downforce here so you've got to pick one and sort of work back from there i think is the the general you know approach to set up when it comes to spa and then sector three you, you don't it's not something that you would really go for um you that you would necessarily focus on it also comes down to the design of the cars as well you know you look back in the past and teams have gone we want to set up our car forks like they always group silverstone and spa together um because you can sort of dial one package back to get the other really um and you kind of pick that and like you know force india back in the past and that kind of thing hmm. have always sort of uh gone well here um but just on sort of like little bits and pieces this weekend um red Bull brought a few new things which as you said alex albon seemed a lot more confident this weekend and you know he put you know, perhaps partially down to down to the new bits that Red Bull brought. Um, Mercedes have a few new aero bits. So if you look at the little horns on the front of the bulkhead, just uh, next to the, after the nose, um, they, they've changed those to look a little bit more like Red Bull's a little uh little fins that's, that's an- with the big fin in the car as well <laughs> whose birthday it is um but yeah just a, a few little bits and pieces here and there nothing major uh, i think probably the biggest thing we've seen is um mclaren have a new barge board, uh design where it looks like they've added a little bit of a cd shelf underneath the uh the current design but yeah just a few more bits and pieces really you know we're at that point Traditionally, in the season where teams start bringing new bits and they always usually do to Belgium so um, I know the season's been a bit weird but it's kind of a little bit of a normality to see new parts here.
2: Now we knew Ferrari were going to struggle this weekend. Uh, Charles Leclerc said yesterday he thought the team would really suffer uh, in on the straights at Spa, given just how poor Ferrari have been with their straight line speed this season, but fifteenth and seventeenth in FP two, Leclerc ahead of Vettel, split by the Williams of George Russell. Um, just to put it into sort of into perspective, Charles Leclerc's quickest time in FP two today was one point three seconds slower than his quickest time in FP two at Spa last year, which is just a, a huge come down. Even he admitted that he was really surprised by just how slow Ferrari were today. Um, Haas only finished a tenth off Ferrari, despite barely doing any laps today because. Of course, they missed FP1 entirely due to an engine issue on both of their cars and then only got a handful of laps in for FP2. So really a very bleak picture for Ferrari. I mean, like, where where, where do they go from here? And is there any way that they can turn things around uh, for the rest of the weekend?
3: Uh, it looks like a bit of a write-off now, doesn't it? Because um, what was clearly the case last year was they had a lot of top-line speed and sure, a lot of that was down to the engine, but it was, it was quite a low-drag car as well. the the sf90 last year and it did seem to lack things in the slower speed sections and ferrari put a lot of effort into trying to recover a little bit performance in that regard but what it's done is it's thrown a load of drag at the car and they don't have the engine power to compensate for that so they're in this weird situation where their car is completely opposite to, to what it was last year i don't know where they can go from here they've trimmed off as much wing as they probably can on that car to compensate for the engine so it seems a bit problematic at the moment um, they'll have to work some kind of miracles overnight uh, this is where they would benefit from having uh, as they have did in the past somebody in the simulator um because Antonio Giovinazzi always used to be amazing at that he'd find something in the simulator on a Friday night and Ferrari would suddenly turn it around so they need that kind of miracle again
2: and just how like looking forward a little bit here but how bad are things going to be at Monza judging by today
3: i think i said this earlier in the season i'm going to be watching with some kind of i don't know what the word is uh but sort of like some kind of grim gallows humor keen anticipation just to see how bad it will be not because i want ferrari to do badly but because it's their home and they were so good there last year And this engine car combination is just they seem uh i don't know it's going to be it's going to be awful i think
2: <laughs> i think that's putting it very mildly uh, to be honest with you uh let's look at some off track news that we had today we uh, got confirmation that the second race in bahrain uh, that'll be held in december the Sakir grand prix uh, will be held on a different layout they will be using the outer loop of the circuit which we must stress is not an oval it's not an almost oval it's nothing like an oval no matter what ross braun or anyone else may say um Jake, what are your thoughts on that? Um, Are you equally as sort of infuriated by this talk of it being an an oval as everyone else is? And (laughs) and what what kind of challenge do you think this uh, sort of 55-second lap they're predicting qualifying, how cool is that going to be for F1?
3: Well, first of all, I saw a tweet earlier from um, IndyCar driver J.R. Hildebrand, who quoted one of our tweets and said, uh, It's not an oval. Anyone who has (laughs) ever driven an oval will tell you otherwise. And, Sorry, JR. <laughs> and I agree. It's it's not an oval. It's the outer bit. It is uh, a, a mixture of the current Bahrain circuit, part of the Bahrain circuit we used in 2010 that was incredibly popular, and um, a service road. So it's going to be... I'm so interested to see... Because this is just... This is madness. If you had said at the beginning of the year we're going to be using the outer loop Bahrain circuit, I'd have thought... Well, how are we in this situation where we're just going, "You know what? You know that circuit, let's just let's do it and i'm I'm so excited to see it, but if you had said this at the start of the year, I would have asked for a, a bit of whatever you were on. Uh, this is it's it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's the variety we need in Formula One.
2: It definitely is, yeah. And the chief executive of the Bahrain International Circuit, uh, Sheikh Salman, he he said earlier this year that apparently that layout has only been used for sort of like club days and like gentlemen drivers and and corporate events. I think he said that Rolls Royce did some sort of running around there with some of their high performance cars because they didn't want to sort of have too much of a technical middle sector or anything. So I think, uh, yeah, nine corners, a fifty-five second lap in qualifying, a sub sixty-second lap probably in the race as well 87 lap race i mean it's going to be maybe the closest thing we get to the indy 500 i think i think in formula one i think it's going to be very quick um we can hope for three drs zones as well that would just be Mental, but uh, yeah, I fully agree with you. I think that that is one of the sort of the few saving graces from what has been a very challenging year for Formula One and for the world in general with this pandemic is that we've got such a creative and exciting calendar. So I think, uh, yeah, major props does need to go to Formula One for that. Uh, but we'll wrap things up in this bite sized podcast by uh, looking ahead to qualifying tomorrow. uh Jake, I'm going to ask you to pick your pole position shout. Any surprises or is it going to be one of two people you'll be going for? Uh, I would love to pick a surprise contender. I
3: would love to say either Red Bull or Renault or Racing Point just somehow gets it together and knocks it out of the park. Unfortunately, I will not be so bold and I will say Valtteri Bartas will be our pole sitter tomorrow.
2: Ooh, interesting. Well, for the sake of uh, parity, I will say Lewis Hamilton will be the man to do that for Mercedes. Um, Will we see a Ferrari advance from Q1?
3: We will see a Ferrari advance from Q1, but not two.
2: So yes, things looking very difficult for Ferrari going into qualifying tomorrow, uh, but be sure to join us on autosport.com for all of the action. We'll have our live blog running as always. And uh, yeah, Jake, thank you very much. And we'll hand back over to Alex at Spa.
1: Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com slash trilomusic.
2: Some folks don't stop till they find the truth. June's Journey is a roaring twenties murder mystery hidden object game. Find your first clue by downloading June's Journey today. Available on Android or iOS devices and on PC through Facebook Games.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people
1: what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.